everyone. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to The Insider. Uh, this week, I'm delighted to be joined by Pedro Villela. Have I pronounced that correctly? That's great. I'm, I'm not the best at the pronunciations, I'll be honest with you. It's normally one of my first things I say when I'm speaking to candidates. Um, Pedro and, and I have known each other a few years now. Pedro is the engineering manager at a really cool business called Curve. Um, I know them very well because they're, they're well known in the industry for doing some really cool stuff, working the right way with some really cool tech. Um, and Pedro, I guess, and like I said, Pedro and I have known each other a couple of years from, from previous positions. Uh, and Pedro, if you wouldn't mind just giving everybody a bit of a brief introduction um, to yourself because you've, you've gone from a kind of manager route back onto hands-on and now you've kind of gone back into the managerial area, is that correct? Yes. Um, so hi everyone. Um, thanks for having me today on the show. Um, yeah, I, in my career, I have like changed from hands-on to more managerial than to hands-on than to manager again. So I was reading these days about um, the, the manager pendulum. So it's kind of where I am at the moment. I feel that I, Every time I'm losing touch with uh, the techie part of things, um, I go back to being a developer and engineer. Mm. So I, when, I, when I'm back to being a manager, I have more context. I have like more of a view of what is it to be engineer at that particular time, right? So that's why I, I think I'm always going to be like that. To some extent. It, it, it's, it's mad actually. <clears throat> Today uh, I put a post on LinkedIn and I had a client meeting on Monday and uh, it, was, it was great. You know, we'll talk a bit about this kind of getting back to normal in a moment, but I went to a client office and I sat down and we spoke about um, projects and we had this little kind of mini debate around CTOs. I know you're an engineer manager, but it's more around the background that CTOs come from. And it's quite interesting because my network is more um, technical CTOs. So I guess that over the last you know, for 10, 15 years I've been in recruitment, I used to place engineers who have moved into CTO positions. So they are technical focused CTOs, but they're more probably SME startup businesses. Whereas you can't, there's this other path that CTOs and managers can take within technology where they're maybe more, start off with them kind of maybe business analysis and PMO become project managers, delivery managers, but they're more management focused. And I don't know, they might have an MBA as opposed to like a computer science degree, but they're more managerial and they'll empower like a kind of technical leader. So it's interesting because it's, it, it's, it's just some of my mind at the moment, the kind of different paths that leaders within technology take and how they get there and how it suits a particular business. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think if I'm honest with you, like I, I can't imagine a CTO, is staying CTO for a long time in a company, only taking one of these, uh, this like either technical or managerial. I think uh, as the company grows, they will need always a CTO that can have a kind of 360 view on, on the, the company, their mm. area, uh, the capabilities of their teams. So why are you, you can have a CTO that's more technical in the beginning. I can't imagine they, the, the, they're going to stay exactly the same, taking exactly the same role as when 100%. they started. Yeah. Uh, versus um, when like once the architecture and the technical part of things are sorted, they will need to anyway mm. uh, take on other challenges that may, may, may involve people. Right. So mm. yeah, I, I think you need to, to, to prepare for, for, for both tracks. Yeah. If you want to be successful for the long term anyway. 
And I think that I think that you know most CTOs that I know, like I say, are very passionate technologists. You know, it's not unheard of that you've gone through your roots of of kind of like sometimes people can re- reach a ceiling and think, oh, to earn more money, I have to become a manager. I have to come elite. And you know, a lot of companies, you know, don't mind that. Some people just want to be um, be, be coding or, or or designing, and that's absolutely fine. And you know, you can be rewarded in similar fashions if you don't want the extra responsibilities. Mm-hmm. This is a completely separate topic. I, I, I'd imagine we can talk about this all day. But um, do, do you want to give us a quick overview of Curve, who, who they are and, and what you guys are up to? Uh, most people know Curve by their card, right? Their, uh, it's not a credit card. It's a card that aggregates all your other cards. So as we usually speak internally at the company, we are not a bank, right? So we are kind of an over-the-top platform that uh, aims to kind of facilitates and makes your life easier in terms of your uh, spending and the way you save money. Um, so at the moment we have a card, right? Uh, but we we plan to be like uh, another thing that we say a lot internally, also externally. We want to be like the Spotify of um, uh, the financial world, right? Um, so I think uh, we we are doing quite uh, good things in there. Like we are uh, growing the team a lot. Like previous to COVID, we hired quite uh, uh, quite a lot of engineers uh, to help grow uh, the company and our capabilities uh, obviously with the covid situation we we are we didn't grow as fast right um, but yeah I, I think it's quite exciting uh, product I think curve itself mm-hmm. as a product it's 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 good uh, it's a good place to be working at um, just because of the amazing potential that I, I see that we have uh, and how we can impact customers in a very positive way yeah I think if- I think that, you know, I've, I've said in previous podcasts, I mean, you, I, I guess would you you'd class yourself as a, as a fintech business? I'm saying not a bank. Is it a fintech business? It's a fintech business, yeah. Yeah, so I think that realistically now when I'm speaking to candidates, I think, you know, the last year and a half, two years, people, you know, what you know, the, the most desirable uh, industry is fintech. People want to work in cool kind of fintech businesses. And I think that more startups, you know, say startups very loosely, but the UK within, especially within the kind of whole, city shortage areas it's got some amazing talent and it seems to be the fintech capital of the world i spoke to um, mark gibson a few weeks ago who's the co-founder of starling bank and he cert- certainly shares that view you've got you know in germany for example you've got some really cool tech businesses in berlin but the financial areas in frankfurt and in america you've got you know financial stuff in new york but then you've got the kind of technology maybe more on the west coast so this is why I think it's so exciting, the whole kind of fintech domain within the UK. So, yeah, really, really cool space to be involved in. How's, um, how's life at the moment? So, like, I'm, so personally, I'll, I've been in the office. I've, I've got the team back. I've been in the office. I've gone for client meetings. But then a lot of my customers are saying, hey, Ben, you know, we're not even back until, until next year now. We've made the decision. How are you guys at the moment? What's, how's, how's life kind of delivering and, and working at Curve? Uh, so in our case, we, we have the office open for people that are willing to go back to the office and work from there. We have all the, the things in place to, to, to do that in, a, in the most uh, safe way possible. Uh, not many people uh, have been going back to the office, if I'm honest. I've been there three times and the, the days I, I've been there, not many people were, were in the office. I think about dozen of people uh, going back there. Uh, life is, is different, right? Life is, as for, as for everyone else, is um, it kind of like on a personal level, I think uh, what I can say is that I'm, I, I, I find myself more often than not in either in 
in the top of the spectrum, like being really, okay, working from home is great. I, I love this thing. I don't have to commute. And then the next day when I have a very difficult challenge to, to work out remotely, I find myself, oh, this would be so much better <laughs> if I was in the office and I was seeing people face to face. So on a personal level, this is how I feel life is at the moment, yeah. uh, work related, right? Um, yeah, I, I think most people from, from, from my reports, they, they, they kind of are feeling them like much more productive, which I find amazing. So I, I'm happy with the general uh, things related to work. Um, but on a personal level, as I say, it kind of has ups and downs. Yeah, that, listen, it's, it's just that every single week, the, land, the landscape's changed and it's changing all the time. I think, um, I've, I've, I think the general consensus seems to be that everyone started working from home. Everyone's happy from working from home. Projects were delayed a little bit, but that's fine. People were still able to work. Um, and people kind of figured out as they went along, so it happened so quickly. Then I think people were like, I like this, you know, spending more time with the family. It's summer, blah, 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 blah. I think it was really positive. Then people started getting a little bit, you know, going out their mind, staying at home and working, actually wanting a bit of introduction, a bit of interaction. Um, but then it's difficult when you've got a bigger team to kind of, you've all got to have that feeling at the same time. And do you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's different. There's always moving parts. And I think that, you know, I've always said it that people who, you know, live in central London in flats, you know, if, if that was me, I, I wouldn't be able to do it. I would want to go to an office and a few of my customers have done the same as you guys. They've basically given the option. And if you live in a flat and you're in central London and you want to go and, you know, go to the office, it's safe and it's, and it's fine. Um, and I think that that's what we're, I think that's a trend that will, will stay. I think, I think um, the option is nice to have because yeah. people like to actually go to an office. There was this, it, there's so many things that I've seen recruiters posting on LinkedIn about, Oh, we're working for everyone's working from home. Everyone's working from home. And it sounds fantastic, but it's not the ideal scenario. I, I think that it's quite become quite clear that people after two or three months of being stuck at home working actually like a little bit of interaction and getting out. Now the schools are going back as well. I think it's going to help within technology. You'll know this better than I, but when you're having, Standouts when you're having kind of brainstorms when you talk about architecture, you need to be on a whiteboard and you want everyone kind of getting involved and, and saying things. Yeah. It's 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 obviously these are these are issues that need to be addressed. So, yeah, it's an interesting one. I think I think I foresee it as it is now. In, in you know probably until the end of the year, I think people will go back to the office here and there, but not kind of um, out and out. It kind of leads into some. Something, people, sorry, oh, sorry. No, no, yeah, I'm just saying that um, some people they it's not only that they like is that their 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 homes are not prepared to to for you like you don't have the right setup in your home to allow you to be concentrated and like to be effective so they would like to work from home but it happened so uh, like suddenly that they didn't have the time to prepare mm. and say oh i'm gonna have a room that is only for me and then i can like like work quietly yeah absolutely like, you have a family everyone is, is going to be working from home how how can you manage the space um, yeah. so some people are working these things now, but uh, in the very beginning, it was quite difficult. It's funny, actually. I, I, I had like I had a room that I used in office, but because I was spending more time here, I actually made it like an office. So you can't see now, but I've got like shelves up and books, and it feels like more like an office. And as soon as I've got it finished, I've gone I've gone back to my actual office. So it kind of like counts yeah. it a little bit. Um, one thing I wanted to kind of like, talk to you about was um, you've worked in a couple of different. Um, environments and, and, I, and I guess that Curve is seen as that fintech and, and fintech has always had a very loose kind of like startup feel about things. Um, 
And I want to talk to you a little bit about um, collaboration within kind of fast-paced startups, because um, I know that's something you've been pretty heavily involved in. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, collaboration is a very extensive topic, right? We can mm. talk days on end without uh, stopping. I think I think this topic is very interesting, and uh, I've worked in a few startups, um, and also worked in, in big companies in areas that worked like startups within those companies. Um, I think uh, collaboration in startups, they are different a little bit because like you start a team with like uh, 12 people. Let's say you have a small company, you have 12 people. Collaboration just happens naturally. Everyone knows each other. Everyone is working the same things and um, everything just works fine well. Like uh, works out well, sorry. When you, when you start growing a team and you still have like this fast paced uh, cadence, then the problems start to happen, right? Um, so suddenly you have like a team of 20, 30 and you see that the collaboration doesn't uh, flow as naturally as before, even when you consider people that are not, um, that, that are, were working for your company before, right? Um, what happened then? What, what, what's, what's, what's the problem with what's going on when you start growing your company, right? Um, I think I've, the reason why I like the topic of collaboration is because I notice this more often than not, is that when you grow the company, you start having multiple um, directions. You have multiple goals. Like you don't, don't, don't have only the goal to survive. You have like multiple goals. Oh, now, now you want to, to have a bit of growth. Now you want to have like a bit more of profit. So you have like different goals and the teams, they are not prepared to, to talk about the interdependency inter, um, between them. Um, I think, uh, so they start to, to, to stepping on each other's toes and um, one, one team is trying to, to achieve growth. The other team is trying to achieve uh, like profitability and then mm -hmm. they have a, a, a dependency that is in common. Mm. And, but no one is going to stop what, they're, what they have for their goals just to help the other people. Like, and this is something that sometimes is seen as a, just a human thing. Like, oh, this person don't want to help me, but it's not true. Like, it's just the, the way you set up your company yeah. and the way you set up these interdependencies that changes. And like, then you need to put measures in place to make sure that collaboration happens more, um, more frequently and more naturally. Well, well, this is it. I, th I think that this is something that so many that will resonate with so many technical leaders. Um, and I think that what happens is that the demand changes. You know, when you start a, when you when you start your initial business, you have goals, as you say, and yeah. all of a sudden you kind of you get past that kind of phase, and then it's like right demands, and you get pressure from finance to bring in money to, you know, for, for whatever area it might be. What I see a lot is um and, and funny enough this has happened this is a really relevant topic through the kind of um, world that we're living in the way that we're working right now so a lot of guys that work for me i was you know i was reaching out to all of my contractors early part of covid kind of april time uh and these are bigger businesses these aren't startup companies but fairly fast-paced environments but the, the problems that they were having with these asynchronous requests where they were working from home like a DevOps engineer and they were getting requests from two or three different people. I mean, if you were in an office, it would have come through one particular channel and all of a sudden the collaboration wasn't there and the communication level wasn't there. So that's something that I see quite regularly that I think is actually 
this whole COVID world that we're living in remotely has actually had a big knock-on effect. The other thing is I think that with, um, with, with, with businesses, it's so vitally important. I, I think, I think, uh, I think uh, delivery managers um, or strong project managers who can deal with every area of the business. So when I'm talking about, you know, you have these technical project managers or technical delivery managers, but a lot of the time it's somebody who can also, you know, work with finance, work with marketing and all these different teams, different creatures, <laughs> you know, with different demands that they have. And it's understanding all the demands that each of these divisions have themselves. And I mean, from my perspective, I, I see that's, that's why a lot of projects are delayed and, and, can, be, and, and can be kind of kicked down the line. Is that, is that something you'd agree with? Uh, I, yes, I, I, to some extent, I, I think I agree with uh, this. Uh, but what I, what I found most of the times is that this is not only fintech, this is not only startups, is that mm. um, you, usually teams and areas, they try to, to work out their, their projects uh, in a very isolated manner. Uh, so, for example, they, they do their planning. Uh, considering that every dependence they have, they will work out along the way and it's going to be fine. But this is not true, right? So one thing that I, 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 I found more useful um, is that when you discuss like the objectives for the company, and I'm not, I don't have a lot of experience in big companies working across the whole business, but let's say startups. Objectives, they should be uh, handled collectively and then discuss like uh, really uh, seriously the, the dependencies at that point. So, um, but would this be with like, the, with, it doesn't with, matter for, uh, sorry, would this be with like the leaders of the division though? Cause this is sometimes if you get too many people involved in a, in a kind of collaboration discussion, everyone's going to have different ideas and this, this is this, surely this must be like, so, you know, the, the kind of generals, so to speak. Yeah, definitely. So for example, take a startup, um, with, I don't know, 70 engineers or, like up to 100, 200 engineers, um, like tech leads, engineering managers, uh, in this case, still the CTO, uh, VP of engineering, these, these sort of people. But I think tech leads are, are in a position to also, to, to help more like in, in detailed ways to say, okay, what is, what is the thing that we, we think we're gonna have in terms of dependencies because they are in the kind of, in the day-to-day -day work actually suffering from those things, right? Mm. Uh, but I think the, the conversation between these leaders uh, in the early early stages of uh, like the, if you plan for a quarter is the before the quarter starts if you plan for a half an year so before the half an year starts um, but having the plan and the OKRs or whatever just goals uh, and really thinking like deeply about dependencies and then say okay how we can uh, actually work around those dependencies, how we're gonna build the teams to make these dependencies minimal. This is something that we, I found more useful to do, like more so than having uh, project managers or like people managing the projects after it started, right? Because- But who, but it, who puts that together then? So you talk about all the dependencies and it's like, great, I, I'm leading a team, I can come, you'll lead another team. We can talk about our dependencies surely you need somebody to almost kind of wrap that up and make sure that that's the business decision. It's almost like the way that you work in. Uh, I, I don't think you need to have something to wrap it up. You need to have a committee to wrap it up, right? Yeah, so it's almost like you're signing be... it off. It's like, yeah, this is, this is how we're working. Exactly. This is, let, we're, all, we're all in agreement. This is what we're going to do. 
Exactly. I think uh, you need sign off, definitely. It doesn't need to be one person. Sometimes a person having an executive decision is, uh, is useful, but usually you want to reach consensus uh, within a committee. And then the important thing is to, like, to really think about what the, problem, the problems you want to solve for the company. And, and then after that, you try to work out the dependencies and sign off. Okay, do we believe that we are tackling the, the real problems that the company will face moving forward? Um, if you, if you get those things wrong, or if you, if you plan in isolation, like, oh, my error needs to do this and my error needs to do that, you will ultimately end up in, in a lot of, uh, dependencies that no level of project management will help you to fix. Right. Uh, so ultimately we say that it's a good, um, if you, you know, it's about planning, is that what we're saying? So it's like kind of like being prepared for what's, what's going to come next. And then, to, and then for you to understand what are other divisions, what the, what the kind of dependencies and, and challenges that they're going to have for them to understand it from you, sit it down almost like a, you know, in advance. So this is like a kind of like yearly goal. This is, this is what our dependencies are. So you know exactly how all the other, all the other company or the other divisions or and that might be different kind of areas. It might be like I say, finance, marketing, what have you. These are the challenges they're going to have and then get everything aligned from the, from the start and then have it all kind of like agreed by, by like a kind of senior team. So you prepare this. Is that kind of, is that what you're saying is the best solution rather than kind of going down a route of having a, a consultancy level overview or whatever, somebody kind of just managing the process. You believe that it's, it's good to get everybody together and to get kind of forward thinking planning. Uh, yeah, I, I think still the, like this managing management part is uh, still important uh, because like uh, in the day-to-day -day work, you may kind of lose track of what you're actually trying to achieve. So these people, they will help you to say, oh, no, 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 no. Remember that decision. Yeah, we need exactly. to point to that decision. You, you, I still see value in these things. Um, but I, I, I believe like the like good planning ahead of time. Uh, and when I say planning, I'm not talking about the details. I'm talking about the problem you're trying to solve. And mm -hmm. this is the most important part of the planning. Like what are the things I want to achieve? Like setting out the goals more clearly, but still giving room for people to, the, the how and exactly what, there, you still have some leeway to work out as you go along, because mm. especially in startups, you still need to collect feedback from customers. So you don't, you cannot plan every step of the way, but you need to, to plan what problem you're trying to solve. I think this is the most important. When people say, oh, we need to divide exactly what you're going to do. Like this exactly cannot happen because, you know, you still a startup, you still like the market will change. Some, some competitor can bring something in. And then like, if you say exactly, and if your plan relies on, on exact measures or exact steps, then you're probably going to end up in a bad position, but yeah. really focus on the problem that you want to solve. I think you're right. I think that's a good point. I, you know, I was kind of like just trying to throw ideas that you didn't had, but in startup phase, you're right. Things can change week to week. Right. And I think that that's, uh, there's always different challenges and you'd expect to COVID around the corner, but it's, it's fascinating to hear your opinion because, you know, like I say, you've worked in, and a few cool startups, to be honest with you, and I mean that as as, as a recruiter, I, I look I look at these businesses from the outside and, and know they're doing some pretty cool stuff. So it's fascinating to get a good insight from yourself. Thank you very very much for coming on the show. I know that this was I'm going to embarrass you a bit now. I know this was your first podcast that you've done, especially in English. I thought you thought yeah. you explained everything and spoke fantastically well. So thank you so so much. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, 
Listen, you and I will stay in contact. Um, looking forward to, uh, I say it to everybody, but I'm looking forward to catching up with everyone for a beer or a coffee when we, when we can finally go back into London and can't finally kind of see everybody. But listen, thanks again for your time. Um, and yeah, look forward to speaking to you soon. All the best. Right. Thank you.